Sometimes on this show, we get uh, players you've heard of, players you sort of know about, players you haven't heard of. Sometimes the stakes are different, you know, higher, lower, whatever. But this time, this show, we're bringing out the big guns. We're bringing out the superstars of poker, playing for all the money. That's right. It's Fetter Holtz against Dan Smith. Heads up. And the, the big one for one drop, which is a $111,000 buy-in event, there's just these two players left. They're playing for almost $2 million. That's right. They've already locked up over $3 million, $2 million more to first place. This is, this is what it's all about, people. This is why we do this show, and we're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. It's too long. <laughs> too long a pause. Hey. All right. You did it. You broke your record for pause length. It was too much, though. If I break out laughing, it doesn't count, I don't think. A lot of listeners probably were like, oh, did my thing stop working? Yeah. Did it stop working? That's kind of what I was going for. Yeah. So congratulations. It's kind of a me. version of the. the answering machine that so many more people have in movies and TV than in mm. real life where they're like, hey, you got Grant. Yeah. Uh, Go for Grant. Yeah. Oh, never mind. It's a joke. Like, yeah. everybody in a TV show has that. It's because... Every single person on Friends had that, for sure. It's Andy Kaufman's influence because Andy Kaufman was, like, the first guy to like, sort of screw with the uh, the viewer, you know, the, the spectator, the observer um, back in the day where he would do things like he had his uh, idea for like the ABC Christmas special and he wanted his show to have it where the like there were like lines on the screen and like the, the sort of the picture would roll up and down as if the reception was bad, but it wouldn't be. And so that way the viewers would get up and actually like go fuck with their TV. And he thought that was hysterical. And the, the executives were like, but they won't get it. He's like, but it's funny. <laughs> and that was Andy Kaufman. And so I think that influence like turned into this answering machine gag. Yeah. Which is, as you said, it's like so tired, it's crazy. Well, I mean, like people don't actually do it, right? Have you ever no. a, ever encountered a uh, voicemail that no. was that? Of course not. It's one of those super over overrepresented things in movies and TV. Also, um, like powers of any sort, overrepresented, I feel. Yeah, like. powers. <laughs> Just like superpowers super yeah, in general. Like very few people with superpowers compared to what they what you would think in movies. Lovable losers? There's no such thing. How about really unattractive dudes with super hot women? That's more TV even than movies. It happens in real life, but there's usually like a wealth, rich. A wealth thing. Yeah. No, no, right, right. But really, una- but really but unattractive not, dudes who don't have anything else going for them getting together with not, like Jessica not Alba. Kevin James. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Kevin James, the king of queens. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Whatever, man. Whatever works. Guy's rich. <laughs> Kevin James is now one of those rich guys for yeah, sure. Yeah, now he's like, I get with whoever I feel like getting with. Paul Blart up in the building. I mean, whatever works. Anyway, this is uh, from 2016, the 111K high roller for one drop in 2016. Back when Faderholtz had not retired from poker yet, he retired at age 24 or something. He actually retired not long after, July 13th, that same year, he did retire. Wow. Um, so He still plays a little bit, He plays right? some, yeah, because he played in the, the event where he... Uh, Knocked out Rick Solomon, right? Wasn't that the real one drop? That oh, wasn't the 2016 I, event, was it? I don't know. I think that was last year where Rick Solomon sort of accidentally showed his cards and all that. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he, so he plays play. a little. He, he plays, plays a little. But he yeah. ended up winning that too, didn't he? I feel like uh, he did. I th- no, I think Bonomo won that. Oh, you're right. He finished second to Bonomo. Yeah. God. Freaking Holtz, though. Wins this, maybe. Wins that, maybe. He's like always in the final Who two. knows if he... I wonder if he could have kept it going if he didn't stop playing as much. Yeah, I mean... We'll never know. He only really played 
in, in like the public eye for like a year and a half or something, and he just crushed it the whole time. Yeah, pro- probably in real life he was playing more though, right? Like yeah, before that, like in like a lot, and even on bigger bigger events, we just didn't know who he was. Maybe, but I mean, like he burst onto the scene when he was twenty one, so yeah. he would have had to have been playing mostly online, yeah. some European casinos, I guess. But mm-hmm. like, can't you play at eighteen on the EPT? May in I some countries, so. it depends on the country. I oh, think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. We're not gifted with the Fedor anymore. Only in the super big events, I guess. And he probably plays like the main event and stuff like that, I would guess. I would guess. Yeah, because everybody plays that. Um, And, of course, Dan Smith is still crushing it. He's never had a year like Fedor, but he's had some good times, Dan Smith has. Dan Smith has done very well for himself overall. Yeah. So this is those two guys. They're heads up for the big one for one drop, playing for $2 million, we think, we're not sure if there's a deal. It's not publicized because it's the World Series and they don't allow deals. And if it's a deal, it's based so much on trust. Like, yeah. These guys are in the same high roller circles. You could probably trust each other in that spot because you would get completely destroyed by all of the other high rollers forever and uh, yeah. blackballed out of the community. I would be really surprised if uh, if they decided they want to make a deal that there would be an issue there. I mean, they, they know they have enough similar friends that one person could sort of say, like, I'll cover it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll vouch for both of you. It's fine. Yeah. You know, you're, you're okay, guys. Um, and, and then they'd be screwing over their friend and not the other right, guy. Because so. if you're Federalton and Dan Smith, you, if there's a skill edge, it's minuscule. You don't want to play heads up, no limit, hold them for $2 million. When you don't have to. Yeah. Like, like you could play for $250,000 or yeah. $100,000. Still is a reasonable amount of money. It's still not something you would do at your kitchen table, even right. though you guys have a lot of money. You're still not going to be like, hey, you want to come over Sunday afternoon and play for hundred k? And these guys care about the bracelet. Especially once they've already locked up this much money, they absolutely both want to be the winner. Yeah, of course, and win the title. So I think it probably doesn't cut down on their competitiveness almost at all, if at all. Right. So our strong suspicion is that a deal was made, although there is no public deal. Correct. So we have no idea. It's we possible. Do not know this. It's possible they really played for two million. It's that is a possibility. I mean, maybe Federer thinks he just had an edge on Dan Smith and wasn't willing to make a deal. Maybe you know, because I, I would be surprised if Dan Smith was willing to give Federer like a significant like bit more than whatever his uh yeah his ICM would be there. Right. Know? Yeah, and I'm sure Federer at the time is thinking like, yeah, I'm clearly just the best no limit tournament player in the world, so why would I not get more? I mean if Federer thinks he's actually not just the best, but like like sort of doing things that Dan Smith doesn't understand. If yeah. he thinks that, maybe he's like, why also I've I've got all the money. Like I'm winning everything. What do I care? Like yeah. let's go. I want the title. I want all the money. You know? It's possible. It's anyway, a lot, it's we a lot don't easier know. not to make a deal when you're on a hot streak, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, anyway, this hand was suggested by Paul Lengang or Lengang. I don't know. You L- sure don't. L e i n g a n g. How would you say that? Let me take a look at it. Uh, Paul Lengang. Lengang. Pa- Paul Lengang suggested this on Twitter. Apparently, he suggested it before, maybe when it happened, but said he was a garbage human and didn't include a timestamp. Well, and he finally got. He made things right. I mean, they'll never be truly right, Paul. No. I'm sorry. No, it isn't like you, you can't. Can just... un- you can't undo the scar. You can cover it up with makeup. But it's still going to be there. I mean, the body's the body doesn't come back to life. You yeah, know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you don't put the toothpaste back in the tube, Paul. But we're happy that you time stamped it this time because it's a cool hand. Yeah, so it good, is. A, it is a cool hand. So we're actually, good job, Paul. And he he did that, of course, on Twitter. We're talking about time stamp, and we're talking about if there's a YouTube video that's a long one or it's more than one hand in general. You need to either tell us when it is or just right click on there and say embed at time on video, something like that. Uh, something like that. And yeah. that'll give you a link that you can then paste. And, and it'll be right then. That's what Paul you, did. Whenever you right clicked it. Good job, Paul. Yep. All right. So we got the 800K big blind level here. 
And Fedor is going to be the effective stack. Again, we are heads up for the title, playing for $2 million. It's actually $1.9 million. But oh, yes. well. Just okay. saying. Just to be. I think they've locked up $3.1 million each. Yep. That's pretty good. Yeah. Fader's got $33.7 million in front of him as the effective stack. So he's got 42 blinds. Okay. Smith has $57.5 million, So he's got 71-ish blinds. So that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. They're, they're pretty deep. Uh, Fader's going to open the button with 6.5 of hearts to $1.8 million. Okay. This is a terrible play. Fader is not very good. He's overrated. I mean, this, this shows you that, like, you he's got on a hot streak, and everyone calls you the next Doyle Brunson. He called me with six high, honey. I'm doing Phil Honeyuth. Except he, no one called him with six yeah, high. He, he called him with queen 10. Queen 10. Yeah, whatever they said. What did he say? What, what was the line exactly? I mean, he, he called says, me with a queen and a 10. I mean, he said so many things. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so Fader opens a 6-5 of hearts to 1.8 million. Yeah. Dan Smith, chip leader, big blind. He's got eight, nine off, eight of hearts, nine of clubs. Seems like a pretty standard defense spot. Yeah. When you're going to be, I mean, I guess you're going to be out of position post flop, which is too bad, but still, this is a hand that can flop well. Don't block anything. You can never fold it, obviously, for a million more here. No. But Smith decides to turn it into a three bet. Makes it six million. What do you think about choosing this hand as a three bet? Not completely in love with it. Uh, I'd much rather have hands that flop better and hands that have blockers to do this with hands that have just more or maybe hands that flop worse like yeah okay fair enough flop better flop worse this is such in the middle type of a hand uh it feels like such a standard call the only real reasons i can think to three bet this hand are one you haven't three bet in a long time and you feel like you're going to get more credit than you deserve almost and so it's sort of like you know like i'm like he's just going to fold a lot because i'm not really three betting so i it doesn't really matter what my hand is so i I imagine dan smith's been three betting a fair amount like right but but maybe he hasn't been getting like the kinds of hands that he can three bet with and he's just like finally like you know what it doesn't matter i don't need to get one of those hands it's okay just to three bet like we're heads up he's he's raising every button it's fine i assume Federer is raising every button um so maybe not everybody's probably probably not not everybody every button i mean probably almost everybody maybe maybe every if not every, almost everybody, he's probably folding the other ones. So, you know, anyway, so like, so you, so like you're going to get him to fold out a fair amount, a huge amount of the time, especially if you haven't had the opportunity to three bet because you've been like calling with all these hands and you just keep getting them. So maybe that's, that's my best reason for three betting. The only other reason I can think of is he, for some reason, thinks Fetter's weak here, but I don't know why he would think that. I doubt anyone had to tell on Fetter. Yeah. It seems unlikely based yeah. on the results, based on how everything has gone all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Even based on this hand, I wouldn't really think he's got a great read on Fetter. So he's made it six million. It's four point two million to call. Yeah. Do you think Fetter should call or three bet or four bet? Excuse me. So he's got six five suited, and he starts the hand with fifty some odd blinds, right? No, forty two blinds. Forty two blinds. Um, Smith has just made it like seven and a half blinds, right? I mean, we just can't fold this hand, right? It doesn't feel possible to fold it. Just too good in position. It's heads up in position against a guy who absolutely has a lot of light three bets. Like we can fold so many other hands. This feels like. Like we're going to have so many other hands that we open that we just have to throw away. This feels like one of the hands we just have to call with. Um, we could decide to four bet, but I'd rather save that four bet bluff, but I'd rather save that for hands with blockers personally. Yeah. This hand plays well in position and plays well when, that, when we're deeper rather than... Now, we're not going to be that deep anyway. Stack to pot's already going to be a problem with this hand, but we're heads up. So, you know, we flop a pair. We don't have to fold. It's True. okay. We can decide not to fold if we want. Yeah. I mean... What just do you think? Stack the pot's just going to be a little rough. I know. I kind of want to throw it away, honestly. But it's six high. It's six high. 
But you get to be in position. You get to see what he does every time. You get to you get full value for your hand when you have something. You know. It's to be clear, good. you think uh, unsuited would be a fold, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of hands have to be a fold here with the stack size that we have. As Maybe that's why Smith decided to three bet. He's like, Federer's got kind of the perfect stack size where he has to fold too many hands. Yeah, maybe. Apparently, right. Federer disagrees about six five of hearts. I don't know. I could see he does call. Yeah, I, I can see how he has position and like his hand that can flop a lot of different stuff, and that's great. Just feels like SPR is a problem. I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, if Smith has been three betting a lot, then I, this plays well as a. I mean, it doesn't play great as a four bet. Because no, it doesn't. You may just as Federer, you may just think like I've got to call with some things, and I've got to be able to cover the board. You know, like I yeah. need to be able to have something for every kind of a flop. So sure. six, five suited covers some piece of the board. Then that's sort of like the, the primest piece of that, like six, four suited might be a fold. Six, eight suited might be a fold, but like seven, six and six, five, the suited, the true connectors are calls. Perhaps that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Maybe that's so, so he can throw out a lot of the, all the one gappers and all that kind of stuff until you get to like, like Jack nine suited. You're probably calling, yeah. but don't love it, but probably feel obligated to call. Obviously you're calling queen 10 suited. I would guess it's a pretty close decision here with 6-5 yeah. suited. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like 4-3 suited might even be a fold. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you could definitely fold 6-5 suited. It would be fine. Yeah. But, but Federer decides to call. I mean, one of the nice things about this hand is it's hard to put him on a hand like this when he calls with these blinds. What kind of bit. hands do you put him on when he has this, this effective stack of just over 40 blinds and he's not 4-betting and he's not folding? King-Jack, King-Queen. Hands like that. Ace-10. Yeah. Um... Hand, I would think like, like nine, that. ten suited, jack ten suited for sure. sure are the types of hands in there. Sure, um, maybe smaller pocket pairs that he doesn't want to blast off with. Where he's yeah, forty-two blinds is kind of a lot for pocket fours or stuff. Exactly, where you don't have to do that. You can call in position. You're like, I'm Federer Holtz. It'll be fine. You know? Although it wouldn't be insane against Dan Smith to blast off with a pair. It would be really okay just yeah. to go with 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 any with any pocket pair here for sure. Yeah. So maybe maybe he doesn't have any pocket pairs. Maybe he goes with all of them because they're heads up. He's probably got some though. He's going to be balanced. He's fitter. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's going to show up with like at least one combo of every pocket pair. I would guess. Mm, that seems about right. Yeah. So anyway, or, yeah, this is where we are. Smith is three bet the eight nine off. Holtz is called with the five six of hearts and my heart is stuck in nitrogen, and that sounds bad. Not, it sounds it sounds like you're dead based on it that. It does, but I'm not. I'm alive for the very first time because of Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, if I were to try to unpack all of the bullshit that I just said, it would be difficult and it would take too long. So instead, I'm going to not answer your question and okay. say, Nitrogen Sports Poker is a great place to play poker. And there's a reason why, Grant. There's several reasons why. One of them is it's a Bitcoin-only poker site, which is super sweet because, of course, it means you get your money in there crazy fast. You get money out of there crazy fast as well. 90 minutes from the time you want to withdraw and put in your withdrawal request so you actually get the money. That is days faster than industry standard. Right, even with Bitcoin. Other sites that use Bitcoin, yeah. they, they still make you wait a couple days because, I don't know, they don't, they don't like you. Yeah, But Nitrogen does like you, which is why they offer... The Poker Guys monthly exclusive tournament. You have to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up, or else you do not get access to that tournament. That tournament is a 0.1 millibit buy-in. The guarantee is 100 millibits. That is 1,000 times the buy-in. That means we would need 1,000 players to meet the guarantee. Guess what? We've never even gotten 100. It's an incredible deal. I seriously don't know why Nitrogen still does it. It's been like 15 months of this. They've lost a ton of money on this tournament, and they're going to keep doing it. Because they love you. It's the best iterated value in poker, or as we like to say, 
the bivet. You like saying that. I we, don't, we all like to say that. I don't like saying it Everyone very much. Likes, we, we do. Um, me and the people. Uh, also, they have sports betting. They have casino games. It's great. Get in there. Get you some poker. Nitrogen sports. It rocks. Where dreams take wing. It rocks. Yeah. Okay. Are you doing like a Macho Man Randy Savage thing? I'm not sure. Rest in peace. Um, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Yeah. So, 12.2. Excuse me. Whoa. 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 I'm just so excited. <laughs> 12.2 million are, are in the pot now because this was pre-Big Blind ante, so they each had anteed 100K in this Okay, hand. sure. Yeah. Uh, 12.2 million in the pot. Five, six of hearts for Holtz on the button. Smith with eight, nine off in the Big Blind. The flop is eight of clubs, six of spades, jack of hearts. A little something for everybody. Yes. Yes. That is my analysis of the <laughs> flop. Agreed. A little something for everyone. Everyone has a pair. So Federer has eight, nine. Smith, five, six. Bottom pair, middle pair. Should Smith continue here? Should he check to induce? What should he do? I like betting. Because? Because we want to, A, deny equity in this pot that is already sizable. So if Federer has something like what? What we're denying equity from, like, king-queen? Exactly. King-queen, king-ten, queen-ten. Now, queen-ten queen is probably going to call. Yeah, we're not folding out queen-ten. Okay, ten. well, we're gonna, we get to charge them, though. Yeah. So we're not denying equity, but we, we don't give them infinite odds. We, yeah. we give them the, uh, we have to force them to pay to get there rather than, you know, get there for free or charge us, which means maybe we can get bluffed later and stuff like that. Um, I like betting. I think like we've got a lot. I think generally when you someone actually asked this on, I don't know if it was on Twitter or uh, in our comments on YouTube, but someone asked about where we said that if you three bet pre-flop, you're like, not, not in all spots, but we were saying in this particular spot, whichever one it was, that like nearly 100% C betting, right? And like, clearly that's a little high, but like, yeah. but like you C bet a lot when you three bet in your heads up, like a lot, 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 right? I think probably less though when it's an actual heads up match than when you end up heads up at a full ring having three That bet. is a really good point. That's it's a, true. It's a different scenario. It is. A lot of it comes down to just your frequency of three betting, right? Which is yeah. sort of the same thing. In, right. in its own way, it's the same thing. So if it's heads up match, you're only three betting the same guy and you're probably doing it a lot. Yeah. But if you're like at a full ring table, you're not three betting that much. Right. And your head's up like you're, yeah. usually you're going you're gonna to bet. Dan Smith absolutely could go into check call mode right now. But I think it's fine to just bet here. It's okay if he folds, even though we, if he folds, we probably we have the best hand, of course. Yeah. But that's okay. Like we, we can also get value from worse hands sometimes. As we see, Federer might call us with a lot of hands that we're beating right now, too. Yeah. That's which possible. Is, which is great. Federer might raise, and then I guess we just can't fold. With this hand, right? I mean, what's Federer raising? When we have an eight in our hand, what's he raising? I mean... It's hard to come up with very much. So you just go with it is what you're saying? I mean, come, tell me what hands he's raising for value. It's, I think it's possible in this match you might be raising good jacks. Maybe. Maybe not. I think he probably should be. I mean, that means he should only be doing that if we're not folding. Right? Yeah. But if he's doing that, then we should start folding. So there you go. Yeah. So level, level that one. Yeah, we're going to end up in a leveling war. Mathematician Jones... I love that guy. <laughs> His great YouTube videos. <laughs> they are surprisingly well produced. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a YouTube channel called Mathematician Jones. There should be if there isn't, honestly. Um, okay, let's get back to this, though. So maybe we, let's start with this. Should Federer be raising good jacks? Because that's an interesting question. Like, your head's up. You've been three bet. You, let's say you have King Jack here. Yeah. Should you raise, and what are you hoping to happen like, what good things are supposed to happen when you raise? Because if you're raising, you're raising because you're hoping good things will happen. Yeah, so let's first say, say what Smith does. He does bet. He bets 4.1 yeah. million okay. into the 12.2 million pot. So 
basically, if you raise a good jack, you're never folding a good jack, no matter what Smith does. I think you're forced to not fold. Although, when Smith decides to re-raise, you could ask yourself... It becomes problematic. What am I, what am I beating now? Now I'm just beating straight draws, right? I'm beating like queen 10 and 9 10. Yeah. That's it. That's not good. So maybe you are folding a or, good jack. Well, if Smith doesn't think that you're raising good jacks, maybe Smith... Ah. Three bets as a bluff more often because he thinks you have too many draws. You have a lot of straight draws yourself. Yeah. That's fair. I think I think I agree with you. Heads up, especially at these stack sizes. If you raise top pair, you should not fold it. Yeah. Um, but this is a reason not to raise top pair, right? Because yeah. often when you get three bet, you're just screwed and you're putting all these chips when you're way behind and you take away. Sometimes you don't, but against most opponents, you take away their ability to bluff because they aren't they aren't the kind of guy. Most people we're going to three bet bluff the flop very often. You know, I, I, mean? I agree with all of these from a practical standpoint, but I think it's pretty easy to game theory debunk what you're doing. I here agree. Because like, what are you raising on this board? Right. You, this is why you, this you is why just was... have straight draws and then you have like random two pair hands that are hard to have. You, you have, have bottom have set eight, six suited. And I don't know if you even have sets because you might go with those preflop. You don't have a ton of them, at least. That's a great point. So, so eight six suited and jack eight suited because there are multiple open enders on this board. There's three different types of open enders on this board. Not to yeah. mention the gut shots. Like you're going to have to include some good jacks if you're going to raise some of those hands. From a game theory perspective, yeah. I'm not saying practically it works over time. Understood. I think if you're going to do it, maybe you could only raise the very best of jacks. Like ace jack yeah. feels like a better jack to raise than king jack just because... Ace jack king, is a hand you might be getting it in with preflop. I understand. That is problematic. But but ace jack is a hand that could at least get value from worse jacks more, much more easily. Like if you raise with king jack, if he has ace jack, you're still getting it in. Yeah. And you're getting it in bad. <laughs> which sucks. Yeah. Now, you could decide, like, well, if I have King Jack, he has Ace Jack, he's probably going to get all the chips anyway. Right. Right, which is reasonable. So then maybe you think it doesn't matter. But, of course, it does matter because you take away Dan's ability to bluff, which you don't want to do. Right. I don't not, know. not that you take it away. It's not fair to say you take it away. He could re-raise. He could bluff yeah. anyway. But it's harder for him to do that, right? He's going to bluff much less. To be very clear, I think I've been heads up in tournaments, live tournaments, I don't know, a total of 20 to 30 times probably. I've played a lot of live, live tournaments. Sure. The amount of times that I respect my opponent enough to try to have a game theory optimal range is maybe zero. Yeah. Um, so I would not be having these thoughts in the normal times that I'm heads up in a tournament. I would be calling pretty much 100% of the time. Uh, but With the jack? Yeah. But as but if I'm Fader Holtz against right. Dan Smith, it's a completely different story. And just to be clear, you're calling 100% of the time because you're afraid they're going to sort of respond correctly to yeah. your raise if you have a jack. Right, right like, because they're going to have no idea f- about like... They're not going to really put together like, oh, he's way too... Right. Do straight draw heavy and all this stuff. They like, might fold two tens and yeah. they're never going to fold ace jack yeah. kind of a thing. Right. So, and certainly they're never going to fold two queens. Yeah. And so like king jack, it may be the worst possible hand to raise. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But against these guys where it's like levels upon levels and thoughts and they see the yeah. board and all that. This is why I was saying like, I think it's Dan Smith. You can't really fold an eight because what the hell is Federer raising? No matter, maybe that means Federer can be good enough to raise a jack, but he still doesn't have that many good enough jacks but to be able to then raise it's just anyway. Back to a leveling war, which just brings us back to GTO once again. Exactly. And like GTO, if you're going to have raises on this board, maybe you don't. Maybe because there, it's a board that's just too too rife with draws that you can't have too many raises here. Mm-hmm. And maybe you do have some raises, but it's just like six eight and like one type of straight draw suited. You know, like so you don't have very many raises at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do that, and that's the way you mitigate it. Maybe. But if you want to have more raises of your open enders and stuff, which really play a lot better as raises, 
you're going to have to add some jacks from a game theory perspective. I mean, they play pretty well as calls, though, also. Yeah, they in play Because right. you're in position, so they play as a float, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's more than a float, of course, but they play that way really nicely where, like, it's hard for Dan Smith to keep on firing on the turn without really good hands. Now, he could be bluff catching, for sure, but he could bluff catch when we raise anyway. It's, yeah. you know, so... And we can put maximum pressure on him on turns and rivers if we have the open ender also. But I think we should do a mixture of both, for sure, like you're saying. Like, we should raise some of our, some of our straight draws and, uh, and call with them, some of them. But probably on this board, if we feel like we have to call a lot, then we should call with most of our draws, too. And then we should call with most of our jacks if we can, right. if we can get our draw combos low enough, which is tough, because, like, what is our value that we're raising then? We're just down to 8-6 suited? It might be that. And maybe Jack-8 suited. Maybe Jack-8 suited, so we're at four combos. It's tough when you have Jack-8 suited. Like, you're blocking a lot of the things you want him to be able to call you with, like when you block a Jack specifically, yeah. and an 8. Like, he might fold two 7s if yeah. we raise. Like, there's too, might be too much Maybe stuff. this is just a board you can't really raise on very much in Fader's spot against uh, a good player like against, Dan Smith. Against someone who can actually figure it all out yeah. right there on the spot, maybe. Maybe so. Anyway, I don't know. That was a big aside about if Fader had a jack. Instead, he's got five six of hearts. He's got bottom pair. Yeah, on this uh, six eight jack spade club heart board. He does yeah. have the backdoor flush draw. This backdoor is a straight draw, bro. Yeah, that too. This is an unfoldable hand, obviously, against Dan Smith. Heads up. 100% easy hot. call. And uh, yeah, raising would be kind of crazy with this hand. Raising would be turning your hand into a bluff for no obvious reason. It would be protection, I guess, is what it would be. Okay. Which is not necessarily a good enough idea. I don't think it's good enough for all the hands that Dan Smith is going to feel forced to go with that is beating you. Yeah. So I think it's a, I think it's a really clear call and reevaluate on the turn. And now, even though Dan Smith bet one third of pot, we're going to start to see that SPR that we were talking about, the stack to pot ratio that we're talking about preflop come into play already with twenty point four million in the pot and Fader's got twenty three million remaining. You can see how Dan Smith by three betting this pot has a chance to win the tournament right now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how this this is going. Right. Like, he's in pretty good shape, but I don't know if he's going to be able to keep betting. This is the problem, right? It's like, hard to keep betting unless you improve if you're dead, right. right? And if you improve, if it's honestly a nine or an, another eight isn't great for Fetter, right? Like, you don't put Dan on too many eights, I guess, but a nine is a bad card. Like, yeah. if Dan actually has anything, unless Dan's just, like, firing to the abyss with nothing, right? But if he's got anything reasonable, any kind of equity, a nine is a really bad card for Fetter. Yeah. It is. It is. You know what a good card for Fetter is? Um, a, a, a heart. That would be a good card. How about the six of clubs? So he has trip sixes? That's what comes on the turn. That is a very good card for it's Fetter. It's a really good card. And he's now, and it's a, a terrible lot. card for Dan, obviously, because if he was ahead on the flop, he's like often fallen behind or he was already behind. That happens pretty frequently. There. Well, he's also now chopping with all the eights that he was beating. Which That's true, sucks and too. still losing to some bigger eights. Any, any, if Fetter had any piece of the board, he's either chopping or losing to Fetter now yeah. instead of beating potentially right. you know, the eights and the sixes that Fetter can have. He's just beating straight draws now. I don't think Fetter with this stack size is going to have random floats. Right, but when Fetter has like eight, seven, which he totally could have here yeah. since he has five, six, Dan was ahead and in pretty good shape and is suddenly chopping. And if, if Fetter has any six, of course, yeah. now Fetter has... And if Fetter has a jack... He was already ahead. He's and, ahead and he's probably not going to fall. And it's also a lot harder to beat that now because we need an eight, not a nine or an eight. Yeah, also... Of the two, Federer has more sixes than Dan, but neither has a lot of sixes. Yeah, that's true also. Federer maybe doesn't have more sixes than Dan, actually. Dan maybe has like a six, and I don't know if Federer even has a six. You think he's just going to kind of go with that or fold it? I think so, because it's such like a janky yeah. type of hand. He might just not want not to just call. Maybe. maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, though. If Dan's three-betting a lot, he may just feel like, well, this hand plays way too well. 
I'm not, if I catch if I catch an ace, I'm never folding. You know, kind of a thing. Like, yeah, fuck that cowboy, kind of a thing. This was pre cowboy hat Dan Smith. Oh shit! Twenty sixteen. We did not yet know that Dan Smith could not only wear the cowboy hat but pull it off magnificently. <laughs> Dan Smith about to become a huge fan of the Breakdown Poker Podcast. I mean, once he hears me say that, yeah, can't go anywhere. We're gonna have besides, to tweet that out to him. We have to start up our Patreon all over again so he can give us some money. <laughs> Sounds good. It's all right, get at least second place in this tournament for a lot of money. He's got money, you know. All right, so six of clubs in the turn. Fader makes trips. Dan really can bet, but it seems like a bad idea. He could bet to deny. Uh, here's the thing: he could bet to deny equity to the or charge the straight draws. But now the straight draws could could raise him when that six pairs, as we see Federer is capable of having a six yeah. here. Um, and Dan's just going to be in an awful spot. This feels like it's time to bluff catch time to go into bluff catching or check and see what the hell happens. At least. Yeah. Like betting doesn't have as much value as it used to have. You could deny equity to like the King Queens of the world though. And the ACE, the ACE tens of the world. You could, I don't know if Federer's calling King Queen on the flop. I don't know either. Probably not. Ace 10 is maybe a call on the flop. He has got two back doors. Maybe. Maybe he's calling once on the flop. He might. I think he probably is. And Ace 10 and King Queen are both candidates to to four bet preflop as well. They are. So, you know, those shouldn't be a huge concern. I know. You made the case, though, not that long ago that Dan Smith, the right play with Dan Smith having Ace 10 when Bryn Kenny three bet him. They were three handed. Yeah. And a big super high roller was to call with Ace 10. I don't, I think the stack size is. They were different, but they weren't wildly different. Like, well, I, yeah, and I didn't make the case that that was the right play. I was just, you were making the case that it was a bad play. Yeah, you, was, you, you ended up saying, I, I believe really, you were, were pretty clear by the end that you thought it was the best yeah, play. Yeah, I think actually you're right. I did and think. I, I got to the point where I thought like it at least wasn't bad. Yeah. And I thought like maybe a four bet, is, I think a four bet's better, but I feel you that it's, I understand why, why it's reasonable to call for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we ended up. Yeah. That was the hand against Bryn Kenny mm-hmm. where it all went to hell. That was an interesting hand. You should go listen to that All one. went to hell for Dan Smith in that hand because he just called with Ace-10. And they just kept just calling with Ace-10. But I, uh, anyway. Coming back to it, I, I still think he, made, he played it correctly. See, there you go. See, yeah, now you I think do. he played it correctly. All right, let's I get d- back to I this. I do. I do. I'm just remembering that now. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Smith checks the 8-9. I think that's probably the right play here. I mean, is going to bet all of his straight draws now. Yes. Which is fine. We can just check call. And we don't want to put ourselves in the game theory disaster mode where... We're getting called by chops and better hands, mostly. I mean, I think it's a clear check for all the reasons you just said. Like, yeah. Federer's going to bet his draws if we if we check to him, for sure. Yeah. He's going to bet all his worst hands, right? It's an easy bet. It's an easy bet with any straight draw that Federer has here. Yep. All his bad hands are going to bet. Um, his good hands are going to bet, too. But he's also got some medium hands, which he might check, which is good for us. Yeah. Like, it's fine. If, if Federer has ace-8, he might check back. Something like that, you know? That's good. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's a clear check. Well, that's what Dan does. Okay. And for Federer, it's a pretty clear bet because, oh, yeah. as you were just saying, it would be great to bet his straight draws. So when you have trip sixes, you got to bet if you're going to bet a lot of your straight draws, too. I mean, I mean, we're betting anything that isn't a made hand here. And so, look, this is maybe the strongest hand we can pretty much have, except like 8-6 that we slow played. You know, like, this is about as good as it gets. Federer 6, maybe. But. Federer chooses some pretty interesting sizing. He goes really yeah. small. Hmm. Uh, he goes 5.4 million into 20.4. This is out of Federer's 23 million to start. Is he inducing here? It's slightly inducing, slightly because he wants to be able to bluff for this price in other times, right. I would imagine. Right. It looks like he's trying to set up a shove, which yeah. is the threat, which Dan Smith sees through. And it's yeah. like, that doesn't mean you have it. I know right. that. I've, I've lived that life, bro. Um, I'm about to buy a cowboy hat. Yeah. Also, this way, Dan Smith may just feel priced in with a jack, like a bad jack. Oh, for even. Dan Smith is not folding a jack. But what if he has two nines? He's calling. He's calling, right? I think he's well, calling. If he's, if he's calling with two nines, he's probably calling with an eight, right? So that means he's probably calling with any pair. 
Any reasonable pair. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I, I, I think he should. Yeah. And that's what Dan does. He does call. I don't think there's any other course of action for Dan right. here. But if Federer instead bet 20 million into 20 million, now it's a really different spot. It's a different spot for sure. So I'm saying, so Federer's like sizing it down to like make it easy for Dan to call with these things. And by the way, in this case, to make it easier to call on the river because it'll be cheaper and it'll be getting a better price, right? That's yeah. But the bigger story is not about these very, this very small swath of hands that Dan can call with. It's the story that Federer is telling in general, which is, his overall story for the future and for now is that I can bet this much. I can have it. I cannot have it. Right. And Dan obviously doesn't have to have it at this point. He just three bet and see bet the flop. So Fed, like Federer's going to win with his nine highs yeah. plenty of times here if he has nine, seven. Dan's giving know. up for sure with yeah. some of his hands here. Right. This just isn't one of them. Yeah. And that makes sense. And Federer's, you know, betting all of his hands that get pretty much that when, when checked to except like maybe some eights and hands around that value. Yeah. Right. Like, what do you think Federer does if for some reason, because I said he could have like one combo of every pocket pair. What if Federer has pocket nines? Does he bet this? I think he probably checks it back. Yeah, it feels Dan, like that's Dan really has jacks here that he's going to check, yeah. right? To induce. Dan might like be that. checking his whole range on this card if, if he believes that Federer has more sixes. I don't know if we, what conclusion we came to on who has more sixes, but. Yeah, I go back and forth. It might that. be a card that just as the three better, you feel obligated to check with your whole range. Maybe. That's not crazy at all. So Smith calls after Federer bets. I think both, I like it. I think both these guys are playing this hand phenomenally well. So which far, is so good. To be expected, of yeah. course. The pot is now real big compared to the stack of Federer holds. Thirty-one point two million. Federer's got eighteen million back. Federer's got yeah twenty-three blinds or something. Yeah, twenty-two and a half blinds. And Things yeah, are getting serious. Humongous. Federer's got Dan in. Uh, he's got, Dan's got two outs. Yep. So Dan, I guess if Dan improves, he's probably going to get a lot of chips. Well, Dan improves, but it's not really in the way that you would want to in this spot. He hits a nine. It's the nine of diamonds. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, nine of diamonds on the river. Um, so the board now reads eight, six, jack, uh, rainbow. The turn was a six of clubs completing the rainbow. Wait, no. It was a second club, but nobody has clubs. It doesn't matter. River is the nine of diamonds. Me- giving Dan Smith a meaningless middle two pair, which is like a really bad two pair because there's two sixes on the board. Correct. And it doesn't help if Federer has a jack. Jack still good. Yeah. So I guess it means it's less likely that Smith or that Holtz has nines full, but that was already super unlikely. <laughs> yes. Other than that, it doesn't really change the hand very much. I guess now, now he beats eights, but I don't like those might be right. hands that uh, Federer is checking back the turn. With. I mean, we thought Federer was checking back nines. Yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't check back an eight here. It sort of plays the same. Yeah, I think he, I think he is checking back eights at least most of the time. Right. So Smith's going to check. Good. That's very obvious. Clear. Easy thing with eight nine. Again, I'll reiterate the board. It was uh, Jack eight six six nine. Smith has uh, eight eight nine. So yeah. he has now the middle two pair. Federer with trips. Trip sixes with five six of hearts. It's going to do the only thing that really makes sense here. He's going to move in. I mean, sure. It's like 18 and there's 33 in there or something like that. 18.2 million into 31.2 million. Seems really clear. This is another one of the really nice things about betting that turn. Even betting small makes this, if Dan has a jack, it's just just like an auto call basically, right? Yeah. I mean, just like, okay, I mean, fine. So right. now, now Dan's in a tough spot. This is all about Dan's spot here, right? Of course, this is it what is. this podcast is really about. Yeah, we're finally there. So, I think it's actually a pretty easy analysis to do from our perspective as the poker guys. If we're going to go combinatorial, of course, we have to make some subjective assumptions as we always do. But first question is, what is the value? Mm-hmm. 
And does it include jacks? That's that's question one. Great. Um, I would think by the river it only includes the best jacks. So king jack plus or just ace jack? I think that's exactly the line. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'd be, I'd be really concerned as Fetter if I were to go all in here that I might be setting it up where Dan feels like he just has to call me with ace jack and might not call me with, I mean, he's going to call with queen jack, right? Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. Um, Let's give him king jack for value. Okay, I think it's fine Let's to do that. Let's be liberal with our value here. Okay, that's fine. All right. So, and king jack including offsuit. Yeah, Absolutely. So total combos of king jack and ace jack are going to be 24 yeah, yeah. that Fedor could have. Each. Now, a lot of those ace jacks are going to be four bets pre-flop. No question. Some of the king jacks might be pre-flop. Yeah, so we, it's not 24. We should probably combos. have them. We should probably give them about 12 of those. If, yeah, I mean, if that much. I mean, it may be almost, maybe all the ace jacks are yeah. four betting, and or almost all, but like two or something like that. But having's fine. Yeah. Let's say 12 combos total of that stuff. Fine. And the rest of the value is trip sixes, right? There's not much else. No, the- there's queen 10. Queen 10. Queen 10 got there. That's yeah. right. That makes sense. Okay. And so he probably has 16 combos to start. Makes sense. All pre-flop. There's also Jack 9 suited. Jack 9 suited. Okay. Um, there may be Jack 8. There may be Jack 8. Yeah. He can have Jack 8 suited. Yeah. So there may be only like one or two combos of that. All right. So for Jack 9 suited, it is going to be two combos. Jack eight suited is like going to two. be two combos, but queen ten. So that's that's four more combos. So we're at like sixteen subjective combos. Queen ten, another sixteen. We're at sixteen preflop. I don't know if we stay at sixteen the whole way through. Disagree, really? I, I think, think he raises the flop sometimes. Oh, sometimes to raise the flop, but I think a lot of time he's going to float. Like we were talking about, he's going to call a lot with his straight yeah. draws because we were saying this is not an easy board to raise for value. Yeah, that's true. So I think he's mostly calling, especially in position, a small bet. I think mostly. So maybe okay. you could remove like a few combos, but I think even even two or three removing feels like a lot to me. I got to tell you. We'll, we'll give him 30 total combos by now. We had 16 sure. before. We're just removing two. Fine. You happy with that? I'm willing to go with it. How All right. That? 710 then? Are we giving him 710? We've got to if we're going to give him. I well, mean, oh, pre-flop. Yeah, pre-flop. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think he has seven ten. Yeah, he may not have seven. I don't think he has seven ten suited. No, either. I agree. So no seven ten. Right. None of that. Um, maybe a tiny bit of eights full and nines full, like the tiniest bit. But he only has one combo. There's only of one combo anyway. Of each you, of you them. You can give him like. You can give him so like a that. fifth of a combo. Forget total. about those. Yeah. Let's just ignore. Let's ignore. Forget it. about those. So we're still at thirty combos of value, and then there's trip sixes. Right now, so there's a six suited. A six suited, which he may either fold or go with preflop type right. of hand. And so, and that's going to be a total of two combos. So it's like really one of those combos maybe. But then you could say the same about A6 off. I think heads up that plays much more similarly. They play very close to each other. A6 off is a more likely go with or, or fold. Thing. I agree. It's a little bit more of a go with or fold, but he's going to show up with a little bit of A6 off, I think. Okay. So maybe something like five total combos sure. of that hand. Whatever. That's fine. Um, King six is going to be a fold. Yes. Pre-flop. I think so. So, so now we're, we're down, down to like, like five, six, seven, and five, six. Six, seven, and five, six suited, which yeah. are two total combos each. Okay. So four more combos. So we're around like 37 to 40 combos yeah, of value. Like okay. It's a decent amount of value. Yeah. What are the bluffs? The bluffs are all of the straight draws that missed. What are those? I guess it's hard now. It's five, He's seven, be, is he turning a nine into a bluff? Why would he do that? Yeah, he has nine, right. ten. Is he really bluffing? He doesn't necessarily have to do that. He could be ahead. Yeah, nine ten is uh, chopping with Dan Smith. By the way, 
No, it's not. Oh, you're right. It's not. No. Um, but eights and nines. But it, but it it could reasonably think I'm beating two sevens. I'm beating yeah, this yeah, high. Nine, I'm, beating, ten, I'm beating more than enough. Nine ten is not shoving. And the hands that I'm losing to most of the like a jack is going to call me right. Like so, why would I shove? Like I don't think I don't think he would need yeah. to shove a nine here. And five seven got there. If he has five right. seven suited, we add that to the value. If he has it, right? Yeah. Um, does he have nine seven? No, it's the same thing as nine yeah. ten. He's just so if he's not turning a nine into a bluff, is he turning an eight into a bluff? I think it's the same thing. Why would he do that? Wow, that's true. So I don't know what bluffs he has. I think this has to be a fold then. I can't come up with bluffs. Except weird complete air bluffs. Yeah. Which maybe as Federholtz, maybe he has some of those. Yeah. Or near air bluffs, you know. Maybe. I was I was going into this thinking that I was gonna think this is a call. Oh yeah? But that nine is a terrible. I didn't card really think I, I, I didn't like give myself time to think about how many of the straight draws it affects the nine. Right. Like it, it either completes them or makes it so they have a pair that they're gonna check back. Right. So yeah, I think this is a fold because of that. I don't know what Dan thinks he can be here. Except I mean Dan Dan, by the way, finally calls. Yeah, after a super long tank. Yeah, he's really Sort of like throw, he forced himself to put the chips in, right? I mean, so he's definitely thinking about something that makes sense to Dan Smith, which means it's probably pretty smart. I will say this. I ha- the first hand we ever did with Federholtz was everything got there. Way back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him against Pesh De Silva, right? Yeah. And uh, that's a hand where actually he played it similarly. He raised preflop, got three bet called, called the flop. Pesh check called the turn. Pesh checked the river. Fetter, Fetter shoved on a terrifying thing where everything got there. That's why we call it everything yeah. got there. Guess what? Fetter had nothing. That might have even been the same World Series. It might have been 2016, the main really? event. Really? Yeah. I think it was the year before, but whatever. It was whatever. one of those two years. Um, so, like, so, there is, so he is capable of really not having it, like having like two back doors and floating in position, missing the turn, but because it's checked to, he bets, and then shoving the river. He can show up with nothing. So that's something Dan's got to be aware of. Yeah. As, he needs to have that in his range, some of that to be able to make the call. I, as Dan, maybe you're thinking like he needs to have like 9, 10 in his range too, though. Yeah, that would be weird. And then is he merging? No. He doesn't have 9, 10 in his range. He I just don't doesn't. think he does either. It feels like a fold to me. It feels like a fold to me also. That, that 9 looks like a good card, but it's a bad card. No, this is one of those spots where these guys are so high level that... The best you and I can do is come up with this is a pretty clear fold based on our analysis. It's really quite possible if we get Dan Smith in a room and he's like given truth serum and talks for 15 minutes about why he called, we'd be like, that totally makes sense. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, and we've, we speculated on this before. Like, so Matt Berkey apparently has been saying stuff about us. I don't even know if it's nice or not. I haven't (laughs) heard, I haven't heard what it is yet, but he's been talking about the breakdown a little bit on other podcasts and, uh, and we're really aware that we don't always know what's going on in that guy's head, like, ever. Yeah. And so, as a result, we're often forced to guess. And sometimes the guess is like, well, I think it's just bad. And sometimes the guess is, maybe this is brilliant. Yeah. I don't, I think it's bad, but maybe it's brilliant. And we're like, and you sometimes, like, we're like, one of us is the angel on the shoulder, the other one's the devil on the shoulder, where I'm like, it's just bad, Grant. And you're like, maybe this is really good, and we just can't see it. Yeah. Because we don't understand. And. Like, that's possible with Dan Smith, too, for sure. Yeah. But all we have is what we have, right? Sure. We're here doing our level of analysis with it. Yeah, Dan Smith's a better player, understands more. But remember when we did the Negreanu uh, interview, where mm-hmm. he, when we were asking him all these questions about stuff, and he finally said, but sometimes I just, it's just a mistake. Sometimes yeah. I just make mistakes. These guys make mistakes also. Right. And it's possible, Dan, you know, it's an emotional game, and it can be hard in the moment to, to figure this out. And actually, David Tuckman, who's doing the commentary, says... 
So, um, while, while Dan Smith is still considering whether to call or to fold, you know, if you fold here, the, you guys are gonna have, they're gonna have about the same amount of chips, and it's gonna be a war against the best player in the world. If you call in your right, it's over. Yeah, and there's something about that which is maybe like maybe even if like you think you're not good enough of the time, but like you don't have to worry about winning the war. Sometimes, yeah, there's maybe, always, maybe maybe there's something about that which makes it a little easier. To there's call. definitely something to that, especially when you consider that this is one of the last events of the summer. Mm. And these guys have been grinding, obviously, in this event for at least three days of like 14 hour days of poker, plus the rest of the tournaments they played all summer. Yeah, there's exhaustion. There's just wanting to get it over with, I'm sure. And that may be a factor. At the same point, I mean, Dan Smith is a pro's pro. He's been doing this yeah, forever. He is. They're playing for $2 million. Or if they've made a deal, they're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And the bracelet, one of the biggest, you know, most prestigious bracelets of the year. I don't know that he's going to make a call just for just to, like, end it. Like, no. I, Joe, Joe Tian did that famously once, you know, in a, in a WPT. Did he? Oh, my God, yes. He's heads up with Burt Bhutan, Bhutan um, for a WPT. This is incredible. This is true. Uh, heads up... Tehan covers Bhutan, but not by a huge amount. Tehan raises pre. I think maybe Bhutan raises. One of them raises pre. Um, I think Tehan three bets with eight, nine off. Bhutan has ace, ten, and goes all in. Uh, four bets all in big. Yeah. Big, big, big. Like huge with ace, ten. And Joe sits there and thinks for minutes, and it's super weird. It's like, what is he thinking about? He's right. getting nothing close to the right price. And Joe finally says, you know, I'm just really tired and calls. And the flop is... The first card is a 10. Bhutan throws his hands up. The next two cards are nines. Wow. And Tihan wins the tournament on that hand, and it's over. And a friend of mine who's good friends with him watched that. Uh, this is still years ago now, but watched a rerun of it and, and texted Joe and said, you know, every time I see that, I always think you're going to show up with a better hand than 9-8. I keep expecting you to like, have <laughs> a better hand, and you never do. <laughs> yeah. So it does happen even at these big spots, even in these really big spots. But I can't believe Dan Smith no, is No, I don't guys. think Dan Smith is doing that. Yeah. But... He found some reason to make the call that we can't see because I I feel like the nine is a really bad card for him. So it seems like it's this really seems like a mistake to yeah. me as well. Um, I think this is a bad call. I think so too. I think this is just a bad call, and I wonder. It'd be cool to have Dan Smith in the room and find out if he agrees or not. You know, because if he doesn't, it'd be fascinating. And if he does, be like, oh, cool. Yeah, nice to be right sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah.